I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 311. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Celebrating the characteristics of God is really important. We need to find creative ways to declare his goodness in the midst of the magnificent and the mundane moments of our lives. Leland's performance of Sinatch's song, Waymaker, leads us to profess at least a few of the amazing characteristics of God. So before we jump into scripture inspired by this song, let's listen. Now, this was a request by one of my listeners because she sings this song in church, and it's one of my oldest daughter's favorites as well. She loves it when we sing it in church, too. And all of the the characteristics that we sing about in the chorus are all characteristics of God that we can declare. They can take us in so many different directions in scripture, but I'm going to go ahead and land where I have been reading myself lately. Now, I follow a daily reading plan. Um... I make an effort to read the entire Bible through each year. Uh, I'm not legalistic about it. Uh, When I do it, it has been grand. Sometimes I finish in a few months, and sometimes it takes pretty much all year to to make it happen. Uh, The years in which I've been able to finish it in a few months, I've followed the rapid Bible read-through method that my friend Keith Farron promotes at the beginning of every year. I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes if you're at all interested. If I read about 45 minutes every day, I can read the entire Bible in, in about four months. However, in the current season of my life, I'm just pulling up the reading plan in you version and then just reading as much time as I have daily. So sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. I don't really pay attention to the... So even though the plan will say, like, read these three chapters or read these four chapters, I read for a set period of time instead of trying to get through the quote unquote daily reading. So I might finish one day's reading or might do two or three or four days worth of reading. Uh, That's the tip that Keith gave me uh, that made the biggest difference for me is just read for a set period of time. Uh, Now, because I follow the chronological reading plan in the app, when I got to 1 Samuel, uh, where I began to read about David, then David's Psalms get tucked into the reading plan. And that is what I what inspired me this week to, um, I, as I listened to this song, I was inspired to remember what I read in 1 Samuel and in the Psalms, because that's where I've been. You see, because in David's life, God indeed was a way maker. 
over and over and over again. And you see it in the narrative and you see it in the songs that David writes out of the narrative of his very real life. So here are a few bites that you could use this week as you follow along with me in the study of scripture. Now, BITE, B-I-T-E, is just an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. These are just exercises I use to keep my time in God's word varied. And the first bite may not sound appealing to you at first, depending on your personality. It might actually be a little out of your comfort zone. But sometimes I read the historical narratives in the Old Testament while listening to epic soundtrack music. Yeah, I'm talking about like Lord of the Rings or Gladiator or something. And the reason I do this, I'm have you ever watched a, a movie scene that would feel completely different if the soundtrack were different? All right, so picture a couple walking in the park with some happy romantic music and it's going to make you lead you to feel romantic feelings and think that something romantic may be about to happen. That same po- couple walking in the park with creepy music may lead you to believe something sinister is about to happen. And then a couple walking in the park with sorrowful music may lead you to believe that a tragedy has occurred. The music kind of helps set the mood. So when you listen to epic music while reading the epic stories of scripture, it, it can go a long way to remind you of the gravity of these stories, and it may just make these stories come alive to you in ways that they never have before. So try it. You might actually be surprised that you like it. Now, another bite uh, is to remember that the people in these stories are not characters in a play. They were real. These accounts were real. All these things really happened. Now, another bite to remember is to read and keep on reading. That's kind of what we've talked about, set a time that you're going to read for, um, get lost in the story. You will do best by reading a large chunk of scripture this week, take in several stories kind of woven together to give you a picture that will help you understand the perspective that we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. Now, when you read and keep on reading, then you automatically fulfill the requirement of the bite of reading in context. And I will be sharing a few verses on today's episode. I don't want you to take them out of the context of the entire story. My conclusions come out of my own study of the context of the story. I am not trying to support an idea with a verse. Rather, I'm coming to my conclusions because of every other bite I've taken, because of uh, it's coming out of what I'm studying. And then finally, we have been considering the grand story of scripture over the past few weeks. The meta narrative is the fancy word to say that. And the idea is that these individual stories fit into a larger story that began in Genesis and takes us through to the promises of Revelation. So with that in mind, take the bite of considering the meta narrative, and this will always ground your perspective. In fact, before we get into the details of the stories, I want to lead with the meta narrative perspective. And while the name Waymaker may not show up in scripture, God truly is a way maker. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He splits seas and he raises people from the dead and he walks on water and he builds a church with seemingly insignificant people. And while there are always individuals who benefit from it when he makes a way, He's making a way for his story to move forward in history. His eye is always on the prize, himself in Jesus Christ, making the way that fallible men could never forge. You know, we we read of Adam. Well, Jesus is the second Adam, the perfect Adam. We read, we'll read today about King Saul, the king that the people wanted, but it doesn't take long to meet King David. 
a man after God's own heart, but he is just to foreshadow the king of Judah that will sit on an eternal throne, Jesus Christ. Now we read of kingdoms rising and falling at the hand of God, and we read of miraculous preservation at the hand of God, and we read, uh, um, and he is doing all of this until his heavenly kingdom is established forever. And that's why I love to study themes throughout scripture, because it's no accident which narratives God chose to preserve for all time to show us his big plan that could not be thwarted by people or kingdoms or nations or even principalities and authorities at odds against his own. He truly is a way maker. Now, if taken to an extreme, You may think I'm saying the only thing God cares about is his kingdom, as if he doesn't care about your individual story. But scripture doesn't say that. Scripture indicates that he cares deeply about every aspect of our lives. In Psalm 56, we read in verse 8, You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Does that sound like a disconnected God who is uncaring about the soldiers in his army? He can be both and. He can be caring about the details of our lives, but he is always kingdom focused. His glory is most important to him. And so the treasure is when we find our truest fulfillment, peace and healing and delighting in his glory. And David seems to understand this, even though he feels very human feelings uh, along the journey. So if you jump um, into 1 Samuel at the beginning... You won't miss any part of the story leading up to our focus today, Uh, but perhaps you want to jump in at 1 Samuel 8. This is the part of the narrative where Israel demands a king. They didn't realize they already had a king and God himself. They wanted to look like the nations around them, so God gave them a king that fit their description of a king. Tall, dark, and handsome. Saul was chosen and crowned king. Now, hey, Michelle, you said we were going to talk about David. Why are we talking about Saul, you ask? Well, David was put in an impossible and an emotional ongoing situation, and it's all linked to his relationship with Saul. So you really need to know about Saul. You really need to understand the context of when you know, when you meet David, you kind of need to understand the context of Saul. Now, after reading this larger chunk of scripture, you might choose to take the bite of compare and contrast. You you could compare and contrast the characteristics of the two kings. You could compare and contrast the battles and the approaches to battle that they took. Any effort in this way will enhance your understanding of this historical narrative in scripture. That's just free, by the way. All right, so to get as quickly as we can to David's story, we read in 1 Samuel 15, verses 10 and 11, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I've made Saul king for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. Now, isn't that side note? Isn't that where we all go wrong? (laughs) Just turning away from the Lord and refusing to carry out his instructions. And so we see in chapter eight that he's crowned king in chapter 15, that that God uh, regrets making him king. And then just one chapter later, we see God anointing David as king in verse 12. So Jesse sent for his youngest son and brought him in. He was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the presence of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So the relationship between David and King Saul is an interesting one. As you continue to read the narrative, you will read for yourself and see that David is Saul's armor bearer. 
which an armor bearer carried additional weapons for the commander, kind of acted as a partner and a sort of bodyguard. David and Saul's sons, uh, son Jonathan were knit in heart and spirit. They were like brothers to each other, but like on a spiritual level, that's really hard to describe until you kind of see it in, for yourself. As a musician, David used his gift to bring comfort to his tortured king. Uh, David becomes Saul's son-in-law. There's a whole lot of interesting details in that story. But most of all, Saul was jealous of David. And so let's start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 18. In verse 6, it says, As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, Goliath is who we're talking about here. The women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands, and what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. And the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and he hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And thus, the tragic story of Saul and David continued down this path. It's tragic because David had the greatest respect for Saul, and Saul was kind of a crazed lunatic. Now, Jonathan knew that Saul was a little off his rocker. I don't think he believed that he really wanted to kill David until chapter 20. And it was at this point in the story that David became a fugitive. And it and it really was revealed to Jonathan that Saul was intent on killing him. Uh, David didn't have any food or weapons. So he approached Ahimelech, the priest, for some food. And the only food available was the bread of the presence, which was technically unlawful for him to eat because he wasn't a priest. And interestingly enough, Jesus actually uses this story as an example to make a point in the New Testament. So if you want to follow the bite of chasing down that cross reference, that might be interesting to you. But the priest gives him the bread and Goliath's sword that he had in a closet somewhere and sent him on his way. And he had no idea, no way of knowing that David was on the run from the king. But one of Saul's herdsmen sees the whole thing play out. And that little part of the story has tragic consequences as well. So David flees to Gath. He is recognized there as a great warrior. So he plays crazy so as to escape that area and not be captured. And he ends up in a cave. And then guess who joins him? A motley crew, actually. Let's read in verse one. Uh, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where and when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about four hundred 
men. So ponder that. That's kind of a motley crew right there. But uh, then we keep reading. I, I would love to stop and talk about some of these things. But Ahimelech meets his end at the hands of a jealous king. His son does escape to be with David. The chase continues with battles and stories within the story until we reach 1 Samuel 24 when we read this. Saul returned from following the Philistines. He was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David rose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now, David never took the kingdom into his own hands, even though he was the anointed king to follow after Saul um, as king, he would not take into his own hands the killing of the current anointed king. But what in the world was the way out? Because he approached Saul after this episode. I mean, if you read verse eight, you know, he says, hey, by the way, king, I could have killed you in that cave right there. And and Saul weeps in David's presence. He realizes in the moment that David was acting honorably, honorably when he was not. But the madness did not stop. Are you in a situation like this? Is the madness just doesn't stop? You, you didn't do anything wrong. You've been honorable in this situation. You're on the run, so to speak. And the attacks keep coming. Well, it's tucked into the chapters of this narrative that the Psalms were written. And out of great sorrow and distress and running, David writes songs that cry out to God, like Psalm 56. And we're going to end with that. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long. An attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. And then what does David declare in this moment? He says in verse three, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And then he continues to pour out what's happening to him. He goes back all day long. They injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they've waited for my life for their crime. Will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. And then turns back to God in his remembering and recognizing the attributes and the characteristics of God. He says in verse 8, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then listen to this. I cannot think of a better way to wrap up. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. So what do we do for our way maker? We render thank offerings. We perform our vows and we walk before God in the light of life. David needed God to make a way. 
And God did eventually make a way, but the path was not short or easy. It was arduous and emotional, treacherous and long. There were 14 years between his anointing and his coronation. So as you consider all of this, what's next? Well, uh, become familiar with the story of David and Saul. Go ahead and just read First Samuel. Just begin at the beginning if you can and read all the way through. Rest in the knowledge that even for King David, the struggle was real. And then speaking of real, don't forget that the people in these stories were real. Read and keep on reading and then take the time to consider how God proved himself a way maker, a miracle worker, a light in the darkness for David. And then finally, take time to declare God's goodness. Render thank offerings to a worthy Savior who has delivered our souls from death that we may walk in the light of life. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. Michelle L. Nizat is my Facebook page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Joe Dana from Illinois, Sally from Canada, and from Germany, Audra from the U.S., Jamie from Louisiana, Joshua from South Dakota, Macy from the U.S., and Alona from California, Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. This is a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. Now, in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recaps recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Well, this encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using one more song for you by Casting Crowns to lead us to scripture. This was a request by one of my listeners. So if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 311. Now, while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.